Bits. You are listening to Marvel's pull list for new Marvel Comics on sale March 1st, 2023. I'm Ryan Pagos, aka Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. The M stands for minutes. It's true. All the minutes. Every mm-hmm. single minute of the day. Y'all, we have a lot to talk about this week. This is uh, where we're close to spring. We're close to all kinds of stuff. This is also the week where there's a new season of Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, which we're all excited about. And strangely enough, we have five Star Wars titles out this week. It's almost like we planned it this way. So um, it's pretty cool. If you're a Star Wars person, it's a good big week. Got all that to talk about and so much more. We're going to get to guests and different things and even some extra fun bonus stuff for you. So make sure you're listening throughout the show because we've got some goodies. We're all about giving away and sharing the love and mm-hmm. it's good. It's real nice, right? Yeah, because, you know, like the word socialism <laughs> kind of is a charged word. But, you know, <laughs> we could probably learn a lot from these ants. Yes, uh, of course. You're referencing Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which we didn't really talk about last week because it was too fresh. But boy, oh boy, my boy Modoc. I know. How happy were you? So happy. It's so good. I really am happy with it. I had a real good time with that movie. I I'm, can't wait to watch it again eventually when it hits Disney+. Plus and, Same. And if you've gone and watched the film, make sure you go back, listen to our chat again with Javier Garon from, I guess that was last week, mm-hmm. and, and read the book, the Ant-Man and the Wasp book that he did with Mark Wade to really get a sense of the, the vibes of the quantum realm. So it's very, very cool. But... We got to talk about all the comics because this is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics, where we give you some details, some reasons to check out every new comic every week. We've got three, kind of four picks this week. We'll get into those first and foremost, then we'll tell you a bit about every other book coming out this week using a quote from one of the issues. We'll pick out something fun, mostly non-spoilery, and hand out those awards. Plus, we're going to run through the Infinity Comics hitting Marvel Unlimited, some highlights from issues new to Marvel Unlimited this week, and some picks for collections on sale. Plus, we've got some sweet, sweet guests. Yes, I'm so excited because we have these guys back on the show. It's been a year almost since they came on the show for the first time, but we are talking to Murwa Ayudele and Dotun Akande about Doctor Strange, The Best Defense. Issue number one. I love those guys. They're great. Um, I'm so excited to see their continued rise through the ranks of Marvel Comics. But we got to get into our picks of the week, starting with one of mine. It is Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number 10. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) We pick this damn book all the time. I can't help it. We went back and forth before we started rolling. And I was just like, you know what? Screw it. Flip the table. I am picking this again. It is written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Art by Carmen Carnero. Colored by Nolan Woodard and lettered by VCs Joe Caramagna. It is lots of MODOK. And this MODOK is the uh, one about control through most of this episode. It opens up with the this great page of uh, like the credits are MODOK presents a MODOK production only for control. And I was like, well, this one was built for me. Thank you, everyone. Uh, it's it's just a blast. It is very trippy. We're getting a whole bunch of mind-messing scenes as this gnarly, long-limbed, extra creepy version of MODOK is messing with this invader squad. 
So, you know, you've got Steve and Peggy and Sharon and Nick Fury and the Redacted and uh, the Destroyer and all of them. It's so cool. But obviously, we've got to have our heroes have their big moments. So it's it's about them fighting back against that control. There's a bunch of great quotes in here, particularly a showcase for the Destroyer, who is a tremendous character, just badass and awesome and cool. And he gets huge heroic moments. But the quotes in here... You didn't cage me, you foul thing of wire and bone. You inspired me. And I was just like, yeah, hell yeah. And uh, then we get three consecutive double page spreads of mind battle stuff, all sort of narrated by the destroyer as he's going through. And it is, it is a rager. There's another destroyer quote I wanted to pull out, which was, my mind's been sharpening against the whetstone of fascism for nearly a century. So badass. All that badass. But then you got the ending and I literally cursed at the book because I loved it and I hated it. And I was like, <laughs> you monsters, Ugh. you did exactly what I always want you to do. Give me great comics and hurt me. Such a good issue. But like Destroyer is such an MVP in that issue. And it warmed my heart oh, seeing yeah. him like really, really yeah. shine in the spotlight in this issue. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is my first pick of the week and it's Venom 17. It's written by Al Ewing with art by Kafu with colors by frank armada and letters by vcs clayton cowles this issue is so awesome for like multiple reasons one it's the first issue that we get coming back from dark web where we're following eddie brock post dark web post being manipulated by uh madeline Pryor um and chasm and like it doesn't skip a beat it immediately brings you back mm-hmm. to the story and not only that it ties into al ewing's work on Thor alongside Donnie Cates in issue number 27, but it's essentially Bedlam, aka Eddie Brock versus the Transmode virus. And it just shows you why and how crazy Bedlam is, and it does not hold any punches. One of my favorite things that this does, though, is that it plays with the format of comics and and the way that mm-hmm. Kafu delineates like timelines and like actions and how like timelines branch out into depending on like what happens in a fight or depending on who does what is so rad in this issue this was an issue that i had to read multiple times because i just it was just so fascinating to just kind of like eat up all these little like tidbits here and there and then at the end get a full complete story as we like get to see this character evolve and transform and as we get through this issue we we can see how that's already starting to happen as he slowly makes his way to Meredith. I did not think I was going to be picking a Venom book as my pick of the week this week, but they did some really fun stuff to just bring me right back into their action, which is like wild because we just got out of a huge like crossover event with him. Yeah, it just it it's a good mix of that like trippy, weird, and big gnarly action that uh, I'm very very happy to read. Mm-hmm. All right, third pick of the week is. A Star Wars book, Star Wars Hidden Empire number four. So good. There are five Star Wars issues out this week. They're all really good, but couldn't go wrong here. Star Wars Hidden Empire number four is written by Charles Soule, art by Stephen Cummings, inked by Victor Olazaba and Wayne Foucher, colored by Guru EFX, and lettered by VCs Travis Lanham. First things first, though, I want to give a shout out to our Star Wars editorial team, Mark Paniccia, Danny Kazem, and Mikey Basso. There's just something different going on on the main covers for all the Star Wars books starting this week. There's 
uh, cover copy. There's some design choices, some little subtle things that they're doing, and I, I find it very effective. So when you go to the comic shop, even if you're not a Star Wars person, go check that out. Let us know what you think. But we've got a double page spread early on in this book of Darth Sidious, aka Emperor Palpatine, and Darth Vader sparring. And it's like the Emperor's like, boy, take out your sword. <laughs> Let's let's play fight a little bit in in obviously not in those words, but, you know, they have a little match and they're talking about how there's this possibility that another Sith will come out and they've, they're like scared and angry and like ready to murder this thing very, very like brutally. It's interesting to have the Sith again be so driven um, and they're like their part in this whole story has been them like they need to stop this thing. They need to destroy it in order to keep their own power, because if they don't, then somebody's going to have to die. Yeah, it's interesting that you read it that way, because like I-, yeah. I read it in a way where when they're when they're dueling, the emperor is very intimidated by this this factor because there is that rule of two when it comes to the Sith. And he's just like oh, like, um, you know, there can only be two of us. And then meanwhile, Vader's like, but like, we could learn a lot from this like ancient Sith lore. And the Emperor's like, but like, no, I don't want to fight for my life. And so he's just like quickly just trying to put him in his place, like to control Vader. And Vader's like, okay, sorry, dad. See, and everybody has their own interpretations. I felt that he does have fear here, Mm -hmm. but he's, he's testing his fear. He's testing Vader to see, oh, like he he just spars a little bit with Vader to be like, uh, am I gonna have to worry? And by the end, he's like, <laughs> so I, I don't got nothing to worry about. But you're pretty good. I like you. You're better than that Darth Maul dude. Yeah. The way he drags Maul in this issue. Oh, he drags Maul. It's so, so good. good. <laughs> it's just like one line, but it's such a kick. It's just such a like, oof, it's brutal. Uh, but look, this is just a, a hell of an issue. Of course, we've got Kira who has been heading up the Crimson Dawn and her goal has been to destroy the Sith and she's trying to use the Sith to destroy the Sith. So we're at like everything is really coming to a head here. All of her pieces are both like simultaneously falling apart and coming together, which is really exciting. Of course, this is Charles's playground, like Star Wars comics. He's been doing this for a long time and he's so damn good. And he's working so closely with Lucasfilm and knows exactly how to tell these stories. It just felt so cinematic in here. Stephen Cummings' art looked really great in those big battles. And then all the high stakes stuff of it, it rules. And that last page was a banger. I can't wait for the final issue. I haven't been this hyped for like a Star Wars like series in a while. And this one's just like each issue just keeps surprising me more and more. I love this book. Yeah, it was really freaking good. Uh, so if you are at all interested in Star Wars, make sure you have been picking up Hidden Empire. It's, it's a good one. So I mentioned we were at, normally we have three picks. We're kind of we're, we're going on a sort of fourth one because uh, I am Iron Man is out this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we talked about we're going to have guests on Murawa and um, and Doton. They're going to be on to talk. So while we would have picked this book as one of our three, we also kind of talk about it a lot with them in the conversation. So this way we can give our love to three other books while still giving our love to I am Iron Man. Please pick up this book. If you're an Iron Man fan, it is a celebration of his 60th anniversary. That's wild. I wanted to ask Doton how many Iron Man suits he drew for the cover, for the interiors. There's just, there's so many, 
that dude loves to draw Iron Man, which, you know, God bless him. It's yes. great. Also, great. quickly, just want to shout out Pete Woods' variant cover because mm. I love Pete Woods and I'm a sucker for this this type of variant cover. Like, this will definitely be on my pull list. Hell yeah. All right, but that is it for our picks of the week. We got to talk about the award, Ryan. We got not only a new award name, but we got some new goodies happening this week. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Before we get into the goodies, what was last week's award? Last week, it was the Make Out With Me for Science Award. Um, And it came from Amazing Spider-Man issue number 20. Yeah, and we had a bunch of folks who found it. This was a winner, of course, Kellen emailed our earliest response ever, which came on a Tuesday evening. And Kellen said, hey, Ryan and Jasmine, hope you're both doing well. Yes, I know. It's Tuesday. <laughs> yes, I know. The comic doesn't even come out until tomorrow. Nevertheless, I found the quote. So here's the deal. I have a print subscription to Amazing Spider-Man and a few others. And while that usually means I get my comics a week or two after they come out, once in a blue moon, I get them a day or two early. I think it's like happened twice in the last year. I never thought the stars would miraculously align and that the quote of the week would come from a book on the rare occasion when that happens. And yet here we are. I'm loving everything about the Zeb Wells run on Amazing Spider-Man and M Team Black Cat all the way. Kellen, we're going to give it to you because we believe you, but also because you did take a picture of the comics. We knew that the comic yes. was in hand. Yes, we a Tuesday is... Uh, pull is kind of suspicious yeah. um and it's weird but look the proof is in the pudding if you got that print comic you know it's fine it's fine we're good we're good and eric emailed with a very important question they say i've been listening to the show for a few years now and i just wanted to know what is with the animosity toward gambit for a show <laughs> sharing their excitement about the new releases it just seems weird to be like we love all these characters except you gambit is it personal? Did he steal something from you in an alternate reality? P.S. My local comic shop is Downtown Comics North in Indianapolis. Eric, look, it, it is it is because I find him to be a creep. It goes back to my reading of the comics when I was a kid of watching the cartoon. I just felt he was a slimeball. And like, I know Gambit is a great character. Objectively, I know the character is really is awesome. He's beloved. He's done a, like he fits in really well with the X-Men mythos. But as a, like, if I'm looking at Gambit, I'm like, I hate him. I think he's ruining Rogue's life. I want him away from my beloved Anna Marie. I like, I think he is nasty and creepy and a sleazeball. And also like all the mystery about the death of the X-Men in Bishop's time and Remy being there and then the Marauders and him helping to kill all those Morlocks. Do you, does no one remember how Gambit helped the Marauders get to the Morlocks for Mutant Massacre? Wow, rude. Yeah, seriously. So if you like Gambit, you like the fact that he has helped murder children. That's well, I'm just saying that. Right look, there. I just don't like trench coats, so that's my whole thing. <laughs> but I mean, I just you can't really trust a man with a trench coat. Sorry. But yes, he's a great character. I just have fun enjoying the, the hate of who he <laughs> is. And uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later. But before we do that, we have to get an award name for this week. Yes, we are going to be giving out the It Worked in Star Wars Award in honor of all our Star Wars books this week. Yeah, it's a really good one and timed perfectly for this week. 
Uh, so if you find it worked in Star Wars, that quote in your comics this week, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pull list at Marvel.com. If you're the first, I'm going to send you a digital comic of your choice. Plus, also, please mark your messages as OK to read on the show so we can read them here on the show. And if you have a local comic shop, please give us their name and their location so we can give them a shout out. Also, as a little bonus, like mm. obviously you get, you're the first, you get a free digital comic on us. But mm-hmm. if you're not the first, you can still win in other ways. So we have teamed up with Marvel Insider to help you score some Marvel Insider points just for listening to the podcast now. So after you listen to the show, you can go to marvel.com slash insider and look for the Marvel Polis quote of the week activity. You'll be asked to identify the correct quote of the week from four choices which is going to be pretty easy if, you know, you listen to the show. All you have to do is choose correctly and you'll earn 500 Marvel Insider points. Marvel Insider is open to U.S. residents 18 plus only. Terms apply. Visit marvel.com slash insider to join or sign in to answer the Marvel's pull list quote of the week. Yeah, so a bunch of ways everybody can walk out a winner as long as you are listening to the show. So enjoy all that. All right, let's now give out that award to all the new comics this week, starting with Cosmic Ghost Rider number one. Um, there's a lot going on here. We actually have two stories in here. Um, I I really like the the mysteries and all the big stuff going on in the main story, but I, I wanted to shout out and give my It Worked in Star Wars award to the backup story that um, is written by Stephanie Phillips, who writes the main story as well, but Jonas Scharf's art is reminds me of Butch Geis and Steve Epting and Mike Perkins and like that kind of cool, dark art, uh, that style. And it, it is a great story to reestablish who Cosmic Ghost Rider is. So even if you've not read previous Cosmic Ghost Rider stories, this will catch you up on who the character is, what they're all about. Give a, a nice little side story, make you very sad, uh, but get you hyped for a big, cool experience that the rest of the series has. All right, next up we have Ghost Rider issue number 12, and I'm going to give my It Worked in Star Wars award to Talia, who manages to use a motel room jacuzzi as a way to, you know, dip into a trance to find uh, Johnny Blaze's brother, because that tub looked nasty. And as someone who constantly scrubs their tub before they take a bath, um, I cringed. Like, there's a lot of gross stuff that happens in this issue, but that was the grossest. I'm sorry. Yeah, they didn't even show them, like, cleaning it. No. And you look at the image, and it's, like, scummy and moldy. And I'm like, no. And it's a big old heart shape. It is a a no-tell motel kind of place. Like, no. No. All right. Next book is Hollow's Eve, number one. Very much, like, it was right there on being one of my picks of the week. It is really, really good. I got to give shout out to Ryan Gonzalez, uh, her cover. That's a riff on the 1986 25th anniversary covers with the characters all around the border. Oh, it's so good. Uh, It's not one of our regular standard variants. It's from Comic Kingdom Creative. It's really, really fun. And I love, love Ryan's art. She's doing stuff for uh, a whole bunch of projects. And she actually has a cover on our next book, too. But anyway, I am giving my It Worked in Star Wars award to just like the the Hollow's Eve concept and look and everything about it. The idea is that Hollow's Eve is Jane Godby, who um, has gone through a whole bunch of stuff. Her boyfriend is Ben Riley, aka clone of Spider-Man, and she's 
She's been accused of murder and actually convicted of murder and all kinds of stuff, but went through a whole bunch of stuff during Dark Web where she got a bag of magical Halloween masks that can give her their powers and looks. And so the possibility of that is so cool. Her costume is so perfect. It is one of those designs that you look at it and you go, I, I can't. I can't stand how good this is. But in this issue, you know, we've got her using a Hollywood icon mask. There's a ghost mask, a werewolf mask. But on top of that, there are consequences, yeah. which I think is such a great touch. It's not just like, oh, here's this cool power. It's the the marvel of it all. Here's this cool power. And this is what happens when you use it. And it is really good. I dig the heck out of this book. All right. Next up, we have Murder World Game Over. Issue number one, it's the final issue of this miniseries, wild finale, and I don't want to give away too much because there's a lot that happens here. I'm going to go ahead and give my It Worked in Star Wars award to, I'm not going to say who it is, but the winner of Murder World because mm. once it's all done, you realize that they aren't a winner and... No. I hate Arcade. That's all I can say. Also, incredibly shocked at how well this ties into uh, Kelly Thompson and Elena Casagrande's uh, Black Widow series from like yeah. the very first arc of that series. That was really cool. That was awesome, uh, which is also one of our favorite series. Yeah. All right. On to Rogue and Gambit. Number one. Uh, <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry. I didn't hear the title. Rogue and Gambit. Okay. Number one. Just come on. This is... Uh, this book opens with a drunk gambit fighting the members of the Teeves Guild, as he would say. Um, in one of the, the intro recap pages, it says, Mr. and Mrs. Don't Puke on Me. Look, I I love it. I, I really, really dig this book because you got Destiny up in here a couple pages in and she hates Remy so much. She is She's always been one of my favorites, one of my queens. Um, Destiny is also one of Rogue's moms, and she does not like her son-in-law. She embodies everything that I feel about Gambit. She doesn't hesitate to be like, you are trash. You are trash, and you are not good enough for my daughter. Oh, I love it so much. And and in this issue, which I'm going to give my worked in Star Wars award, Rogue is getting kind of sick of his stuff, too. Scrape him off, girl. Let him go. Toss him to the curb. That's a, there's a lot of mysteries. We get to see Lady Deathstrike in here. Manifold is going to play a big part. Um, but I just keep, I hope, hope, hope we get more anti-Gambit rhetoric throughout this series. All right. Next up, we have Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones number one. And one of the things that I'm, I'm finding or I'm kind of tracking in this issue or in the series uh, since we talked to Emily Kim a couple weeks ago is something that she mentioned about how she wants to expand the cast of expand the cast of characters um, around Spider-Gwen's life. Um, and it's been really cool to kind of go into this book with that idea and see how she's fleshing out these characters. And even the villain, or I'm assuming the villain, I've never felt this much sympathy for a villain in like a really long time. And like, she does such a great job at building this world, including, you know, Gwen Stacy's boyfriend, including Reed Richards in this book, including Mary Jane, even though she like sidelines Mary Jane. She pretty much is like, okay, I'm gonna go on a tour, and you got to take all, you got to take care of all this yourself, Spider Gwen. You got to make some other friends, and Emily Kim is just like firing in all cylinders, and I, I love it. And for that, she gets the, it worked in Star Wars award. All right, we've got Spider Man number six this week, which uh, is a big one. It is not the end of this main story arc, but it's a big turning point issue. 
I am going to give my It Worked in Star Wars award to the fact that we get big moments, big revelations, big things for Morlin, Silk, and the Spider-Verse itself. It just feels ginormous. Also, great Peter Parked car stuff in here. I'm a huge fan of him <laughs> so much. Um, there's this like misfit group of spiders. One of them just goes like beep boop, uh, but it like makes full canonical sense. I God, it's dance lot. You're having so much fun. And Mark Bagley remains unbeatable. Next up, we have Spider-Man Unforgiven issue number one. And this book like came as a total shock to me. The mystery of it all is fascinating and I'm really into it, but I'm going to give my It Worked in Star Wars award to Zwati um, of the Monster yeah. Hunters because that was probably one of the coolest pulls I've seen in a long time at Marvel. Um, and she's so badass. I love her. Hell yeah. But, I was I was like, what? Yeah. I was not expecting right? that. It was, really, it was really cool to see. All right. Four more Star Wars books this week with Star Wars number 32. Uh, there's a... There's a moment in here where uh, I'm going to give my It Worked in Star Wars award to a reaction shot that Chewie has to something that we saw in some form last issue. And then the follow-up line from Lando in this one. It is delightful. Really, really fun. Also, this is just a fun heist issue. It's it's a blast. But like, also, Holdo's like, reaction is like, I'm sorry, Chewie. Do you have something to say? Yeah. <laughs> so good. Look, Holdo is the best. She's the best. She is so straight up about everything. I love her. Yes. Also, I'm going to jump on Star Wars, Han Solo, and Chewbacca number 10 because I freaking loved this issue. Oh, man. It's, it's really good. There's just Mark Guggenheim writes such snappy banter. It's fast-paced. It's sharp. The, the, it, I've talked about this previously in, in talking about this series. It feels like a proper Han Solo and Chewbacca adventure. It feels like if we had a TV series about them, this is the story. This is like the dialogue. This is the characterization that all feels so exact to the characters that we've come to know and love over the years. Um, there's lots of twists and things going on in here. And so it's a, it's a whole bunch of fun. But there's also, interestingly, a teaser page at the end. I'm going to give my Worked in Star Wars award to that teaser page saying Ajax Sigma, which is the revolutionary oh, yes. murder bot thing that is uh, sort of the MacGuffin, but actually like an important thing. It's saying it will return. Hmm. 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 I'm so excited. I'm so, 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 so excited for this. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have Star Wars, The High Republic, The Blade, issue number three. And I'm going to give my It Worked in Star Wars award to the last page of this book because it is so badass it is a full page spread and yeah. i know for a fact that like if nine-year-old me had picked up this book in a comic shop like this would have been something i would have torn out of the book and like totally hung up on my wall because it is so badass and like even just like the line delivery is so cool and i'm like i'm in well said all right last star wars book is star wars the mandalorian number eight this is the finale for that first season I'm going to give my It Worked in Star Wars award to the line to nurse and protect and, uh, you know, re-experiencing that story in that episode here in this issue reminded me how rad that finale was and how much the IG bot was like so crucial to everything. Oh, man. What happens to IG in the finale hits just as hard in this comic as it does in the, in the series. Like I all the feels returned. 
All right, and finally, we have our last book of the week, which is X-Force, issue number 38. And my award is immediately going to Domino. Domino gets my It Worked in Star Wars award because... Because, yeah, that's why. Like, I was so (laughs) pumped at the end of this. I was like, damn right. Like, go Domino. She deserves it. After 38 issues of just being tormented, it just comes to, like, a clean ending that is just so so like powerful i know fantastic lots of great issues out this week but we also have collections i want to point out defenders beyond which was a favorite of ours as we're reading it so so good there's x-men by jerry duggan volume three which has been tremendous and then an omnibus for immortal iron fist and the immortal weapons which go get you some of that Over on Marvel Unlimited, lots and lots of books this week on the Infinity Comics front. We've got new issues of X-Men Unlimited, Avengers Unlimited, Marvel's Voices, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, Love Unlimited, Deadpool Loves the Marvel Universe, Alligator Loki, and issue number 39 of Spider-Verse Unlimited, which is a Spider-Mam, M-A, apostrophe, A-M, one-shot written by Stephanie Williams with art by E.J. Sue, and it says, there are no vacations from superheroing. Aunt May Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Ma'am, takes her family on a cruise only to land them in more danger than ever. Spider-Ma'am is the best. Also new to MU this week, we have our picks of the week from three months ago. Daredevil issue number five and X-Men issue number 17. But I also wanted to point out some new number ones that are hitting the service. Doctor Strange False Sunrise issue number one. And then in honor of Star Wars, Star Wars Revelations number one, which you should absolutely be reading right now. I would... I would say read Star Wars Revelations number one. That's um, That was a, a kind of important one shot that maybe you yes. should read. Yes. If you're a Star Wars fan. But also Star Wars Yoda number one, which is such a good issue. It's just so wholesome. It's a, just a good ass book. Um, all right. Also over on Marvel Unlimited, we're filling in some holes as we like to do. Mark Spector Moon Knight issues 11 through 20 from the late 80s, early 90s series. I know people want them. Here we go. We're dropping more in. So you got to. A good 10 in there, so enjoy those this week. But while you're on Marvel Unlimited, maybe you'll check out our Reading Club selection this week. Yes, we are talking to Murwa Ayodele and Doton Akande about Doctor Strange, The Best Defense, which is the third issue in a five-issue miniseries, but all of these issues can be read as a, as single one-shots. Like they don't, mm-hmm. You don't have to read the whole thing. You can just read them individually. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be talking about this book. We're going to be talking about I Am Iron Man number one and just their work overall. I'm so excited to be talking to these guys again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jasmine, are you ready to talk with the returning Nigerian comic book tag team champions of the world? I don't know why I did that intro, but that's where we're going with it. Mura Ayadale and Dotan Akande. Hey, fellas. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you guys again. <laughs> oh, I love that Polis is going global. Like, last week we were in Spain. This week we're in Nigeria. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. We're going We're going global. Y'all have been doing some really great stuff. It's, it's really fun for us just because we got excited when we started to see your work at Marvel. And then since then, you've been doing more and more and more. It's very cool. And a lot of it has been Iron Man stuff. We're going to talk about some uh, your I am Iron Man and whatnot. But you could have come on, been like, let's talk about more Iron Man. No, you said, let's pick the (laughs) middle issue of a like five part series featuring the Defenders to talk about. 
what is going on here? Why are we talking about Doctor Strange and the Best Defense? So um, I picked the book uh, because um, I think it is the first book I, I, I read and saw the character to be like distilled to his true essence for me. And I found that very interesting. I, I like the idea of um, an old man strange, you know, trying to save our reality and everything. It was really fascinating. And yeah, he's, he, to me, he's like Tony Stark to some degree, you know, the old character act and everything, the arrogance and then the humility and then he's now this superhero. So yeah, I, th- I think I kind of associate them in my mind. So when I saw Dr. Strange, I was like, oh, nice, this is a cool story. That also reminds me of Tony Stark. So yeah. Oh. Doton, I really like how you mentioned the similarities between Doctor Strange and Iron Man. It's something I've been thinking about. I've been playing Marvel's Midnight Suns, and those two characters share like a workspace in the game, and there's a lot of like banter between them, a lot of things about them that sort of, in my head, as I'm playing this and, and experiencing this with those characters you can see their similarities in really interesting ways, even though they are vastly different in many other ways. Um, can you talk about why, why you see them being so similar a little bit more? Um, I see both of them as, okay. I, I, I make this joke with Moira. I see um, Dr. Strange as the mature Tony Stark, less jokes and all that. They both have contingency plans. The, uh, and Strange is like the mystical Tony Stark. Stark is the science guy, and everything is um, tangible to him, you know, based on this reality and everything. I think they're very intelligent, and they're like this astute, intelligent planners, and um, they are kind of dedicated to service, you know, and protecting, you know, this, this reality. And then I also remember reading one of Bendis' run where, what book is this now? Um, in um, Invisible Iron Man by Brian Michael Bendis, when we had this little scene of facial hair bros. Yeah, facial hair bros. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. The awesome facial hair bros. So mm-hmm. since that time, I've been checking for these similarities. You know, they were these arrogant folks who later became humbled by their failures. And became this wonderful superhero that we love today. Yeah, I think since that time I've been like, yeah, they have like it starts. It starts with the facial hair, and then I start looking at the characters and the way they have, like Doctor said, contingency plans for things. They are basically the protectors of the of Earth, even though Doctor Strange is focused on the mystical side, while. Tony Stark is focused on the technology side and things like that. But yeah, you do see those similarities from very shallow ones to deeper ones. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. And it it makes a a lot of sense. I'm similar to you guys in loving alternate reality stories. There's some where we've even seen Tony Stark become the Sorcerer Supreme and you sort of start to see how their their ways could really mesh in really fun, fun opportunities. It's it's great. I love that you guys both brought up that moment. It's one of my favorite moments in comics. But let's talk about this story a little bit. Uh, It is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Greg Smallwood. Uh, Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. 
this is part three. We kind of talked about it. And essentially, there's a whole lot of things going on in each corner of this Marvel universe that each one of these characters bring, but they end up having to work together towards the end of it. Uh, but I think the thing that is fascinating about this issue is that it takes place in the future where we see a destroyed Earth and Strange is kind of walking through all the destruction as he uncovers like a staff of sorts, which we later find out is one of the last pieces of Silver Surfer's board. Um, we watch him take his eye out, which was easily one of the grossest thing ever, <laughs> yeah. but he places it inside the eye of Agamotto because he's like, magic has a cost. Mm-hmm. And then eventually defeats Dormammu by one, using the board to escape, but to also reveal that he's carrying around the Hulk's head that is now being powered by magic instead of gamma radiation. So that's fun. <laughs> I wanted to to ask you specifically, Doton, thinking like I was reading this and Jerry's a friend of mine. I, I love, I literally love everything he does. I think he's so friggin' good. But I, Greg Smallwood to me is so amazing. And we don't have a large breadth of work from Greg at Marvel. And I know Jerry is friends with Greg and really like wants to keep working with him a lot. And, but watching the pages here with Greg and from a storyteller and artistic storyteller standpoint, there were things I was like, oh man, just the, there's shots of veins in some of the 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 demons, the demons. Like just the little like veins under the skin mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. the way when Dormammu is he strange wakes up from sleeping and Dormammu's there and he's just crouched down that like that choice to put Dormammu in this position and have him so casual and so feeling like he's won everything like that is that's such a cool storytelling bunch of choices and i'm sure for you that's got to like rattle through your brain of like oh man he's making this choice to do this and put this here and and all those little flourishes yes definitely greg's choices always fascinate me i um stumbled on his work first on um moon Knight with um jeff lemire and i i ever since then i'd fallen in love because he i think he satisfies Two main things for me. I am a sucker for simple panel layouts and using this technique, like um, as though it's a pencil you use to draw or a chalk, I should say, or charcoal. So it has this gritty feeling that I really, really like. I try to pull it off, but uh, <laughs> it's never as good. So, but really, I love when I see it work. On Moon Knight, it was fantastic. Then in that pit, where he found the, um, the, the, the board, the, the piece of the board, the silver sulfur board. The technique he used there was just fantastic. It wasn't too dark, it wasn't too bright. You could tell it was like, you know, in this, the way he managed his lighting and shadows were just perfectly balanced. And I, I, I would never forget that scene. I'm looking at it right now. And the eye of Agamotto serving as this um, torch to light his path, just very, you know, subtle and very perfect. So, yeah, on this too, like he did on um, Moon Knight, simple panel layouts, close-up shots, I, 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 I think he should, for me, should be one of the few artists who has a lot of close-up shots that I really like. Because I know that um, many of us don't really like close-up shots like that. I want to see the world, I want to see the environment. But when Greg does his close-up shots, um, I, I just want to see 
the expressions on these characters and he handles it perfectly, perfectly. And he keeps going in and in and in. And you're like seeing wrinkles on their faces, like you said, veins. And you're like, how, how do you keep close-up shots continuously interesting? Because usually you want to see more. So you want to pull back and see more interesting visuals. But Greg keeps going in and in and you're like seeing more stories and things you're already looking at in previous panels. Greg is just fantastic in that way. Just fantastic. And I love this clean white panels or not, not panels, the borders, yeah. The clean white borders. Just it creates this perfect contrast with what is seated in the panels. Sometimes I try to replicate that and it just makes me very happy to see him doing these fascinating things. So yeah. The way he, he frames certain like scenes, like when we get that scene between Dormammu and Doctor Strange, like there's one shot where it the camera is like looking down at both of them almost like as if the camera was like mm. hanging over the two of them and you're looking at them from a bird's eye view and it's like so like distinct but it also just like shows like how big Dormammu is like in terms of like width and yeah. how long his like arms can stretch compared to Doctor Strange and here yeah. he is kind of just shriveled up alongside him and like just tiny compared to it it's so fascinating it feels effortless you don't feel like you're, you, there's no deliberate effort to read in it. It just flows easily and things. So those are the things we've been trying to learn from Greg Smallwood and his work from Moon Knight to this one to exactly, to Doctor Strange one. Like same thing, simple layout, clean lines, interesting textures, and it just feels effortless. And I think uh, the writer Jerry Dugan also leans into it. For this work, it's not overly verbose. Yeah. There's less text. So it allows Greg to actually shine in telling the story visually. It's ex- it's also very, very cinematic. Yeah. And I think that's why he also favors um, the landscape. Exactly. Landscape framing rather than portrait ones. It's extremely cinematic. And I think um, Jerry Dugan was able to lean into that and... It's 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 very it's very beautiful and visually interesting. Like without dialogue, you would still understand what's going on and enjoy it. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's kind of also one of the things I love about comics because we can have something like this, which is the art is so textured and you know it it has its feel, it has its look. It is so it is everything that you you've been describing. And then we look at yours, the the books that you two do. And it's also so cinematic and so vibrant. And you can also often pull out the the dialogue. But I love the added flourishes of the sound effects. I love a, a leap or a push or, a, you know, like those things. I, <laughs> I eat them up. I love that kind of stuff. It was, you know, we have those. We have your clean, clean work throughout. It's clean, but in a very different way from the the, the clean that you talked about with Greg. It's It's great. And I love that we can have comics that can stand up side by side as being really exciting and really good, but vastly different. First of all, thank you for that. The sound effects, instead of the SFX, we use the actual word here, like leap, jump, take, and stuff like that. Yeah, like I just pulled it up because I was like, pretty sure you use that in I Am Iron Man issue number one. And yeah, I'm looking at a panel where Iron Man is like running across the like panel and it says dash, but like in big bold letters dash, behind yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. 
and it's it's yeah. I love yeah. that song. I think um, some of the influences uh, would be from um, manga and um, Daniel and Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's true. I love his I love his sound effects a lot. Yeah, he's fun. He's the blast. There's also in this issue, you know, it, it is such a great standalone piece. You know, like you could have had this and just been you get a fully formed world, chaos and all kinds of things, but it, it does touch on the other stuff. And for you, Mura, thinking about the like the hold of the reveal of what's in that bag is so fun, so exciting, and it's you know I imagine, you know, you, you, you've come up with the, these kinds of ideas and you're just like, oh, I want to put it on this page. No, 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 no. Got to hold it back. Got to hold it back. Put it on this page. No, no, no. Hold it back. It feels like something that you just want to play with, but to wait to pull that trigger has got to be exciting. Um, yeah. Um, reading this work, I, I, I got often jealous of the way Jerry Dugan was pulling it off. Because when I read it the first time, I was like, wait, what's Ork doing here? Like, it's, it was so shocking and surprised. And then when I read it again, I was like, he has been given clues since the beginning of the story. Like, um, the yeah. part where I was talking about, oh, it was the last defender of the earth, but there's one. Almost. almost. When he said almost, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Ork uh, is also a defender. And then um, th- there was a part where... Um, the voice in the bag was saying that um, it's not safe at night, something like that, that if it was the one it would attack at night. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, that's what I would do. And um, at that time, an immortal orc, orc comes out every night. While, so Banner was in the day, orc comes at night. So, like, so lines like that and stuff like that, like I was like, oh, man, I should have seen this. Like it didn't come out of anywhere. Actually, there were little, little bits of ints from the very beginning. And yeah, as, yeah. As, as writers, we try to achieve that. But we hope, like we're, we're not usually so sure. We hope that readers can pick up on it, but not too much. That it feels like a satisfying reveal at the end. And um, Jerry Dugan really nailed it. Um, I, I discovered him pretty late. Dotto and I sometimes have like um, similar interest in comics but sometimes we have these occasional ones that we've not we've not read and stuff like that but that's when i've read and things about um i discovered from marauders and i've been loving his work since then going back to read previous stuff and this is just one of those cool finds like he's he's been nailing it like way before the um his main x-men which i'm also enjoying Merwa, one of the things that you said, like, I agree with 100% was that this book is one of those that, like, is so rewarding when you reread it. Yeah. I've read it three times now. And, like, the second time I read it, I forgot about the the Hulk reveal at the end. And so, like, it, it came as a shock and I went back and reread it and, like, the same thing. And then just, it, you get so much out of this book every reread and it's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and um, especially if you read um, the surrounding issues, like ones by Al Ewing and the other creators in this little mini event or story arc kind of thing. But it's also as like, there are like, um, there are lots of uh, puns and stuff that you pick up on, like when you're reading the second time. Yeah. Some references to even like um, things we've seen in movies. Little, little references to pop culture, to this, 
a lot of the jokes is like when you read the second time, like, oh yeah, this is what he was trying to say. Like, it's what I want a one shot to be. It's what I try to make my episodes to be when I also write is where you can go back to the story and you see more things. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely caught that Blade Runner reference <laughs> in, in your Iron Man backup story. Speaking about puns and uh, double entendres, um, we're talking about, Miro and I, we're talking about um, when he pulled out his eye and then puts it in the eye of Agamotto and says, now I can see. Mm-hmm. You know, those little, little jokes were fun. And then when Domamu was like, um, finally, I'm going to disarm you. And then he breaks his arms. Oh, that's funny. That's cool. That's funny. I just imagine Jerry writing these lines, just laughing yeah. to himself, like, ah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The dialogue is really, really fun. It's really, really fun. There's so many things, especially when English is your second language. So maybe there are some you don't pick at first, but as you read it, you start picking it more. And it's intelligent writing that doesn't show off. I've definitely noticed that you have that same like ability to just make short sentences, but they're like, you get every, all the necessary information out there and it's quick, it's quippy and it's effective and it's awesome. I love it. It, it. it is great. One of the things that I love is, you know, you do have the punchy dialogue, but you also work together to make sure that emotions are displayed in really great ways and don't need to do wonderful work with that too. Just to, I'm thinking of the Avengers uh, Infinity comic, Avengers Unlimited, and just simple things like where Iron Man and the team are ready to go on the mission. And just the simple shots of Carol and Rhodey and using, you know, like the the word balloons sometimes that you use that are just like emojis. Those, those things yeah. I think are extremely effective and really smart storytelling for what we're trying to get across. And I think it's a breath of fresh air for Marvel comics because you guys have these influences from, from manga, from webtoons, from other places, bringing those into our big, you know, superhero comics language is, is really welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we have to give a little shout out to Junibar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like we try to read everything he, mm-hmm. he puts out. He does those kind of creative fun things. Like, um, there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, one shot he did. Yeah. Where the the dialogue balloons add sketches in them. Like, instead of them saying words, they were saying actions. So, so stuff like that. I saw it and I'm like... And you sent it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I said it and I'm like... So, for, for, for Avengers Unlimited, so we, we also tried doing things like that, putting into the balloons, like the emojis and um, light bulb, having light bulb, mo- actual light bulb moments, like cartoons. And um, I think there, there was one where we put Riri in a balloon where she's doing like this car face, this car face pose. That was good. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so, so there are things that, because we grew up mostly with... Um, animation and cartoons before we discovered Mm -hmm. comic books so there are influences we have from there and we want to use them a lot but sometimes but we're like "Ah, are we allowed Mm -hmm. to you know and stuff like that like like we we don't want to put it and then we see something like junibal like just say like yeah i'm going to use it i'm like oh really we're allowed to do this thing like yeah 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 so let's do the same here too and stuff like that so it's it's more of him giving us uh giving me the confidence to be like, okay, yeah, you can do stuff like this to 
and so yeah so shout out yeah, to him. speaking of um juniba and um the teenage mutant ninja turtle um scene uh i forgot to mention when you showed me that that um, panel that um also tying it back to our influences watching cartoons growing up i remember in um tom and jerry because we used to watch a lot of that here and there was this particular episode where well not just one episode they did it a lot where the thoughts the thought bubble would actually have actions in them like tom might be thinking of what he would do to jerry and in the in the bubble is the action for like a mini screen in that bubble so it's kind of like what juniba did in cmnt which is interesting yeah that you mentioned that our influences are cartoons and we keep questioning ourselves if, if we can bring them into you know what we're doing now so yeah 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 and just like these, um, the sound effects that Ryan was saying, yeah, like we also still read books from other creators too and be like, oh yeah, we're allowed to do this. And then yeah. we're like, yeah, we are, it gives us the confidence boost, like the way Daniel Warren Johnson does it. And um, I think Webtoons also has a lot of, they have a lot of visual languages they use that you don't see often in, in traditional comics that we're trying to put in our comics and things like that too. And and I think that's why we also lean more into um anytime we're working with Electra, we, we we lean more into different colored balloons. We like balloons having different colors and stuff like that. Just not necessarily to show the voice, because sometimes you use black balloons to show that oh this person has a very deep dark voice. But sometimes just so you can play around visually with some dialogue and stuff like that. Just the fact that there are different balloons you can easily recognize, okay, this is Iron Man talking and stuff like that. And then play around with it a lot and stuff so yeah it's it's a fun time to be working in comics and working with marvel because of just so many of these wonderful influences around yeah okay so before we let you go we, we definitely have to talk about i am iron man what can you can you guys like tell us a little about about the book how it came to be and what readers can look forward to yes i think we um, Tom Brewers reached out to us to work on Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood. And just as we were finishing it, I decided to be a little forward. I don't think it's... From all the podcasts I've heard about how creators get series and stuff, like, this is not how it happens. So um, I've had this pitch for an Iron Man series on my laptop for ages. And then... I put them out. I touched up on it again. Like I've always wanted to tell this Iron Man story for the longest time. Sent it to Dalton to go through it and stuff like that. And then we sent it to Tom. And Tom was quiet for a while. Then he replied. He said he would go through it. And then when he, get, he got back to us, he was like, yeah, you guys know Iron Man is going to be 60 next year, right? We're like, oh. well, we weren't like, We've forgotten about that totally and it's like yeah this would actually make sense for an anniversary series but before we could do it we needed to do a little pilot to like a proof of concept so and that's the story that became daddy's boys in the iron man issue 25 mm-hmm. backup like this is what it to look like this is what it to feel like and things like that so that's so it's 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 a project born for, of passion. It's something we've been working on for years. We've always wanted to tell this Iron Man story that spans across decades, that showcases why we like this character, showing him 
um, sacrificed for civilians, being a hero, going through pain and so many things just so that he can protect the world, he can protect his friends and things like that. And then see a lot of cool sci-fi things. We, we, we like when Iron Man really leans into his sci-fi influences and stuff. So seeing, seeing him fight monsters in another dimension and shoots lasers that are spread into a million and weird, crazy things like that. And with Dutton's colors and the way he makes a page just light up and pop, it's, 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 it's a perfect comic for anybody that, that loves Iron Man or has been trying to dip their toes into Iron Man comics. I dig it because it's clear you two are huge Iron Man fans. But it's not just a, oh, here's Iron Man's greatest hits that, you know, the first issue is like full of uh, like it's got this new villain and new vibes and and feeling it, it. It's got a it's a classic feeling Iron Man story with all new fresh ingredients, which is kind of like exactly what we need and what we want. Celebrating a character by giving him new and cool and playing off of what's come before without pandering. It's great job, guys great job hell yeah thank you thank you very much is that villain like the ongoing villain or is that just for the first issue that's just for the first issue oh i want her back she's so cool <laughs> yeah she's rad she's you, so cool you draw the hell out of her uh yeah. playing base Dotan, too. i was like yeah th- those poses are very hard to do but she got it yeah a lot of references <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we really love the character we really love the character but one of the reasons why we're not just using just the like old villains, we have some of those too and stuff like like um, old characters that have been with Iron Man and new ones and stuff like that. We want this series itself to show how versatile the character is. So if we want to celebrate this character, we've seen him go against some of these old villains. We see how we react. What if we put him against a new one? So, for example, we want to show how intelligent Iron Man actually is compared to everybody else. It takes someone from the future, hundreds or thousands of years into the future, to be able to have a serious exchange with him in technology and stuff like that. So it's it's a way of trying to show off. Um, we use the Model 1 armor. Like the Model 1 armor is actually, people forget that it's actually very powerful armor. It's big, it's bulky and yeah. things like that. So we had to show a scene where one of the monsters tried to kick Iron Man and its legs just get destroyed. Oh, like that was so cool. <laughs> so so things like that. And when when uh, when we also be going through a lot of Iron Man comics, like the very first comics, like in his first appearance in um, Tales of Suspense thirty nine, and um, a lot of things that a lot of write ups that the narration. Sean has like uh, inspired by Stan Lee. We loved them a lot and wanted to find a way to incorporate them. Like there's this panel that stood out to us that says, you know, Tony Stark was destined to live the most sad life, that kind of thing. And we just had to, we picked exactly that narration as the opening narration in this work. And um, yeah, there was also a part where Stan was trying to hype the character that here he comes, here he lumbers closer and closer and stuff like that. And we have to put it in the story to where Tammy is a fan. She's basically like Doctor and myself. She's a fan of Iron Man. And she's just there to prove that 
I want to see if I can go toe to toe with this guy. You know, sometimes in science, we read about um, many of these old scientists and stuff like that. And like, if they came to the present day, they would not appear as smart as they actually are because yeah. we already know a lot of all these things they do. If Isaac Newton was here talking about the laws of gravity would not sound extremely intelligent. They'd be like, yeah, we already knew that. We already have phones and all this information and stuff like that. So Tammy goes back in time and the the typical expectation is she's supposed to be extremely more powerful, extremely more intelligent than this character. And then we see as time goes on that Iron Man is still able to catch up and is able to match her despite that it's like going back in time with the internet, with your phones, with everything, and still not being able to have serious exchange with Isaac Newton. So things like that. So we're just trying uh, as fans ourselves just to show that, yeah, this character is actually pretty awesome. This was awesome, you guys. I am so excited to continue reading the series. I have this book on my pull list, so I'm super excited to get it in physical copy and just hold it in my hands. Um, I cannot wait. Thank um, you, you guys much. are great. Thank so Thanks for bringing this book to us today uh, to talk about. And we definitely will be having you guys on the show again because it's just mm. way too much fun to talk to you guys. Yeah. Thank you. And um, thank you so much for yes, reading yes. Our, our Marvel Unlimited Infinity comic, the Avengers Unlimited Infinity comic too, because we know you have a a lot of books that you have to read, physical copy, and then reading the ones on <laughs> MU2. So thanks for going through that. One thing I just got reminded of, um, and I laughed out loud when we got to I Am Iron Man, you guys have managed to sneak in a kaiju fight in every single one of your pieces of work <laughs> at Marvel. And it is so impressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they're like... Four episodes out of five yeah. that is a kaiju fight of some <laughs> Just sort. like so impressed. I love it. Big thanks once again to Mirawa and Doton for coming back on the show and like working through the challenges of talking from Nigeria to Chicago and New York all at the same time. Just the, the best. Yes, I love that. Super pros. Thank you around. for your patience. Yes. Yes, indeed. That about wraps it up for us. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos and Jasmine Estrella. Brad Barton is Pull List Senior Manager of Audio Production and Development. Jill DeBoff is our Director of Audio. Make sure to email us at pullist at marvel.com. You can also tweet at us using the hashtag Marvel's Pull List. Also be sure to rate, subscribe, let a friend know about the show. For sure, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jasmine. This is Marvel. Your universe. For more information and full quote of the week contest rules, go to marvel.com slash pull list quote rules. Terms and conditions apply. Open to U.S. residents 18 and up.